We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and I'm joined by Sean Siegel. We are about to recap a listener league that we did over this past weekend and Sean it was a challenge it was the FFPC $125 best ball tournament huge prizes in this contest exciting times $200,000 top prize in this contest would be nice to be able to uh, put that in the trophy cabinet at the end of the year along with the the bragging rights but we drafted against 11 other teams some of those co-managed by Rotoviz OT listeners that puts a lot of challenging aspects to what we're trying to do to draft a roster they're listening to our shows they're looking at your rankings on the site they're reading your articles so they know a lot of the players we're targeting a lot of the strategies we want to imply and that makes it a challenge but it makes it very very fun and this draft was a lot of fun we will be running through our teams as well as some of the other strategies employed by the other teams but sean as we settle down to look through the roster how are you feeling about this league you know, with some time to review it. Yeah, I I love it. Whether or not it will actually work in the end is another story, but there's so much receiver depth. There's so much running back upside. Joe Burrow always gives you a chance to win the big tournament. The question will probably come down to whether Pat Fryermuth and Trey McBride can thrive as young tight ends, and that's a, a huge potential weakness, but... I'm a huge believer in both of those players. Pat Fryermuth was someone that we drafted a ton last year, and that worked nicely. Now, most of it was late in the FFPC classic format, or it was in Dynasty formats that make more sense for a Pat Fryermuth as a rookie. But he played very well with that background. Trey McBride, I think, has even a lot more upside, even though he's probably unlikely to actually hit in the same way been reading a variety of things suggesting that they could use him and Zach Ertz together. He could even be used in some manner in almost the Cooper Cup type of role. Now, this is in no way saying that Trey McBride is going to be the 2022 Cooper Cup, but I do think he's going to score points. I think he's far too athletic. He's far too dynamic as a receiver. 
to not factor into that passing offense. I'm also not saying he's going to be remotely like Kyle Pitts, but I think the prices that you're getting on the rookie tight ends make them interesting when you miss earlier. And we obviously missed earlier. And so Colin, that kind of brings me to my first big point of evaluation for this draft, which is that you have this context of a listener league where we know that everyone is more or less on the same page, but yet it's a very smart and creative group. We can't expect everyone to just kind of follow the script. We know that some drafters are going to try and zig as other people zag. They're going to try and figure out, well, how can I exploit what I think is going to happen in this draft and win, even if maybe it's not something I would do elsewhere. And so you're going to get some interesting builds from that perspective. But even with that being the case, the first thing that jumps out at you and that you look for is with this really weird room, was there anyone who managed to kind of hit the three key elements of dominating and winning your best ball draft, which would be an elite tight end, a very wide receiver heavy start, and two quarterbacks in the window. Now, the very wide receiver heavy start could be zero running back. It could be an anchor running back type of team. It's not that you have to have absolutely zero RBs in there, but you want it to be limited and you want them to be the right guys. And we don't necessarily know who the right guy is going to be before the season starts. Obviously, those things are obviously, those things are always more evident in retrospect and yet we know the types of profiles that tend to give us these league winning types of players so from that perspective as you look at the guys who went early in this draft those running backs tended to rise the players who don't necessarily fit that tended to fall we have joe mixon falling well below adp we have james connor who is you know an ot favorite falling well below adp in part because this group of drafters is skeptical about how well he can manage the type of high EP workload that he had when Chase Edmonds was out last year. Will they give that to him? Will he be able to stay healthy? Is he the kind of talent that deserves to be picked in that range, even though we like some of the specific things that we did? Obviously, you like those things more in rounds nine and 10 than you like them in the first handful of rounds. But to wrap back to that question of was any team able to do it, I really only think that one was. And in some ways, maybe even having a team manage it in this room is surprising. But from the sixth slot, American Water starts with Travis Kelsey, goes T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, then takes Brees Hall, one of our very favorite running back selections, Russell Gage, Patrick Mahomes, Kadarius Tony, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Devin Singletary, and Justin Fields. Fields, the end of the QB window that happens in the middle of round 10. Perhaps there are some individual players in there like Russell Gage, Katerius Tony, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, who you wouldn't like those prices on in a traditional draft. And yet to have Kelsey Higgins and Waddle, the Higgins and Waddle in rounds two and three, to, to be right in that spot where you could get both of those guys, that part is awesome. We do know that drafters in that sort of three to six, three to seven-ish range traditionally do well now in this season it really seems like there's a, a clear top five and then everybody else, but to have put together a team from the sixth spot where you do start with Travis Kelsey, you get that huge tight end advantage. And then to be able to, to hit on some of our favorite players to get Devin Singletary in round nine, to get those two QBs in the window, to get the great value on Patrick Mahomes, 
And then obviously they come back in round 11 and grab Gerald Everett away from the rest of the drafters. They get Jamison Williams in round 12. I mean, this just on a first glance would probably be my favorite team, even though in most cases I really am hoping to get that elite tight end in round two. One of the things that would have been interesting to me, and this is something that Ben and I also talked about recently when we profiled how do you want to begin sort of redraft season with the FFPC? Did a couple of shows on that topic from two different perspectives. But one of the things we discussed was Kyle Pitts and how really probably important he is to the 2022 season from a structural perspective. That doesn't mean that he's going to thrive. He's going to probably have two different quarterbacks. Obviously, you get injured right away and then he falls off the radar as all injured players do. But He's the player who offers the price and the upside that would seem to be the perfect elite tight end for this season. He hits on some criteria that really nobody else does because Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, it's just so hard when they go in round one, they have to score so many points. The opportunity cost is so significant. And then once you get into round three, Darren Waller, George Kittle, perhaps the competition for targets will be too extreme there now you and i obviously should have taken darren waller at the 211 that was a mistake that we made but kyle pitts fits perfectly and yet because he's on this team that had mark andrews in round one the drafters in 10 11 12 they can't claim to have started with either eckler henry and Diggs, and then come back with pitts because they decided to go in a non-tight end direction on those first three picks of the second round yeah so i, I do think though team sexy you mentioned i think there's a niceness i mentioned to you before we started recording this draft that I was hoping to have a top five pick kind of drafting in that fifth spot. A lot of the time means you get whoever slides of cup Jefferson and chase. And that's kind of what happened here with the team in five, but the team in six then was left with an option of, do you go for, let's say a Stefan Diggs or Devontae Adams, or do you go for Travis Kelsey? And, um, you know, and this draft of, he has, if he leaves and hopes to get the tight end in the second round, Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts had both gone, so that there would have not been possible. So it really worked out for him in this draft. You mentioned some of the players that we may, you know, not be all in on, like a Russell Gage, for example, but gets Jamison Williams, who we talked about in the draft, got Gerald Everett, got Justin Fields, got Kenneth Gainwell, um, got Dulcich, who we talked about as well, got Chris Evans, who we talked about. So got a lot of the guys that we would like to have on our roster. Really strong roster out of Team 6. Our roster, Sean, just to touch back on it, you mentioned, um, you know, Darren Waller. We could have went for him in the the 11th pick of the second round. That would have meant then that the team picking at the one spot would have had the option of DJ Moore, Mike Williams, or Tyreek Hill. They were the three wide receivers that went off the board in that range. So worst case scenario there, it would have been that he takes Tyreek Hill and DJ Moore and still leaves us with Mike Williams. So, yeah, in hindsight, I think that would have been the the way to play it. Just uh, you know straightforward question would that be in hindsight what you would do as well yeah and you're probably going to get that option of dj moore or mike williams at the 302 that would be fine also just having jalen waddle instead of tyreek hill would be fine you mentioned as the draft is going along that wide receiver is not actually deep that it actually dries up you know really there with t higgins and debo samuel in the middle of round two when you're thinking about trying to put together an elite slate of wide receivers this type of draft room is not helpful because the prices you're getting are absolutely terrible 
Mike Williams as the 302, Keenan Allen as the 303, Michael Pittman as the 304. I mean, these are much more receivers that you would like to be drafting in round five. Now, Keenan Allen has been a long time round two pick, and he's connected there to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe he'll get a little bit of a second win, but he is trending in the wrong direction. Really what you want, or you want players in that 21 to 26-year-old range who are stars who can fill out the depth chart in here. And Marquise Brown, interesting in the mid third round obviously that's not where his adp is but it gives you a sense of if drafters are actually trying to land receiver it's very difficult marquise brown someone who's a former first round pick he put up some gaudy air yards numbers and some individual games with the baltimore ravens he now is moving over to the arizona cardinals where the opportunity exists to put up numbers especially in the first six weeks during deandre hopkins suspension but for someone with brown's track record and within the context of an offense that will have plenty of competition over the second half of the season where fantasy titles are won or lost for him to be in the middle of round three as a vertical threat on a team with a rushing quarterback again i just really hammers home kind of where we are with the wide receiver valuations it doesn't make it a bad pick it just shows you how quickly things can dry up the next guys after that deontay johnson Cortland sutton rashad bateman dk metcalf similar problems with you know different specifics of their own even though again i mean i really like those guys i think that if you get deontay johnson Cortland sutton rashad bateman at normal adp you're very excited about that where they go in this draft it, it makes them trickier but that's one of the things column where if the draft is going to be wide receiver early and you do actually make those picks the team out of 12 who stole my banana we have to go to them next as their first eight picks are seven wide receivers and a quarterback who is Lamar Jackson. We talked a lot about how he potentially is the guy with upside that's really through the roof. If they mix his running with opening up the passing game even a little bit, he's one of these guys who could go over 30 points per game scoring and individual game upside obviously there as well. If that works out in this Bateman-Jackson pairing, one of the things that some people will mention, and I think it's important to understand because you want to be drafting the wide receivers of the rushing quarterbacks with your eyes wide open, meaning that you want to have at least thought through the fact that these rushing QBs could have pass volume that makes the overall pie for the wide receivers very difficult. It's especially the case with the 49ers, with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle. It's perhaps a little bit less the case with the Eagles, although Dallas Goddard, perhaps one of the best tight ends. You have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Probably both of those receivers actually undervalued as reality players. I know that you know some people are going to raise their eyebrows at that comment because A.J. Brown, very, very highly thought of. Devontae Smith certainly didn't hurt himself by having a good rookie season after winning the Heisman Trophy, but A.J. Brown... If he had been in a different situation than the Tennessee Titans and had stayed just a little bit healthier. So, I mean, that's not exactly on him, but it's, it's something that's more related to him than the team, for example. But in a, in a slightly different context, I think people will be talking about him as Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones. And so, when you're talking about being the seventh overall receiver drafted, I mean, there's a discount that's happening there. When you talk about Debo Samuel, who had one of the all-time great wide receiver seasons last year despite dealing 
with a handful of things. I mean, he wasn't hundred percent healthy as he did some of that down the stretch for him to be at wide receiver nine. It's not like you're not getting a discount on those players. You look at Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 20, and that's a situation where there's virtually zero competition for targets. He could be above a 30% target share with the Ravens. And then even if the pass volume is low, you know, if you're 31, 32%, you're going to come out with all the targets you can really legitimately handle you do get to a point with the receivers and obviously with the very top tight ends that they're taking such a beating that they are going to have injury outlooks that are not dissimilar from these elite bell cow runners. But you look at that team there that has the seven early wide receivers. We talked a lot about how our team is older than most of our teams are. Again, that's kind of the consequence of drafting within this group. But this team has CD Lamb still young, Bateman obviously still young, Burks, Moore, and Olave as wide receivers. And the value of putting them in that zero RB structure is that if one does miss, you're not just relying on that player. One of the things that we see in a lot of drafts, and one of the things that I feel like we saw in this one with the team out of the ninth slot that didn't select a wide receiver until round seven, and then obviously went very heavy wide receiver after that, but you have Alan Lazard, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Jarvis Landry, Jacoby Myers, DJ Chark, Sammy Watkins as the first receivers drafted there. All of those guys are more floor plays. And it's not that you don't have individual game upside with players like Alan Lazard and Kenny Galladay, both big dynamic receivers. But once you put yourself into the situation where you feel like you need floor from wide receiver, you're not just chasing wide receiver points overall but now you maybe sideline yourself into a wide receiver profile that is not as favorable for winning individual leagues and then certainly for winning tournaments we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Yeah, so they, that was the team that took Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Joe Mixon, Fournette, then Dallas Goddard, then Cam Akers. The Dallas Goddard one is the one that stands out for me. Drake London, Devontae Smith, Lamar Jackson all go off the board as the next three picks, then Traylon Burks and Justin Herbert. I think 
you know, for me, Smith and then London or Burks. But I also think you have the option there to go with the elite quarterback later in this draft. They get Mac Jones, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota. I think if you take a quarterback there, it leads you into a two-quarterback build potentially with Mac Jones. It gives you more options then instead of having to take the four quarterbacks. I think you know three tight end builds are obviously something that are very good to have in these best ball tournaments. But the part is you know three of those in the first five rounds. It may be an advantage, but I think and more often than not, that's probably a little bit of overkill there. Then you get the three running backs and hold off then to the twentieth round, which I think is a a nice move to do but i just think that the firepower sean like you mentioned the profile of of player you know for example amari cooper over guard wilson is something that i wouldn't really be looking to do you know there there's some of the the higher upside plays that i'm trying to do they feel like safe floor plays and amari cooper being a safe floor play could disappear very quickly if for example deshaun watson misses the season and, and things don't start off perfectly for him um with the cleveland browns so we've mentioned a few of the really cool elements about Ryan and Daniel's team here at number nine. We've mentioned a few of the things that we might have done a little bit differently ourselves. But before we move off of that one, I want to mention the FFPC Roster Construction Explorer. And if you put in this really cool and unique team that they have drafted, only even just looking at the early round stuff, only 61 teams in the past couple of years in this tournament have gone that route. And you're thinking, okay, well, do they really need those three early tight ends? Almost a 10% win rate, almost a 64% top six percentage, 5% of the teams in the top 2%. So you have a great win rate. You have upside being demonstrated by the drafters who've used this before. And you also have a sense here where you really get the impression that Ryan and Daniel have been using the RCE to put together a team that even within the context of this listener league format, they were able to, they were going to be able to put something together to beat the system. So I love what they've done from that perspective. Make sure you pull out the RCE and check out for yourself. Some of these different options that you may be considering for your drafts. Sean, looking at some of the other rosters, is there any that are standing out specifically for you? You've had on a good few of them. And I think, most of them have hit on a, a few of the points. The team is that drafted around us. One of them is led by Christian McCaffrey, the team in the third spot. They go Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Hurts, Eli Mitchell, or sorry, Elijah Mitchell, um, Tony Pollard, Tyler Lockett, Albert O, Ramondre Stevenson, then Evan Ingram, Jamison Crowder. They are the team that took Brevin Jordan, so maybe that is the key piece to win in this tournament. But I think, again, there's some players of certain profiles that we're probably looking to lean off on those rosters. The other team then that I'm interested in is Team 1, who we touched on a few times, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Darren Waller, Jerry Judy, Juju Smith-Schuster, then Ezekiel Elliott. And some of these running backs we're talking about were extreme values versus ADP. Ezekiel Elliott running back 21 in this draft at 6-12. Then Hopkins as wide receiver 38 in the seventh round. Josh Jacobs, wide running back 26. Then does go Matthew Stafford. His other quarterbacks are Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz. Does get Ronald Jones, Isaiah Spiller, Darrell Henderson, J.D. McKissick. And then at the tight end position to go with Waller, does get a two tight end build with Noah Fant. Gets K.J. Hamler there. Gets Robbie Anderson, who we talked a little bit about. Gets Romeo Dubes. Nick Westbrook-Keenum is the last pick off the draft. Team one overall, I think, is 
it's pretty solid. I'd say the concern for them is the two dead zone running backs, even at the values that they got them at. What, what's your thoughts overall on that roster? Yeah, I'd love to see the zero RB execution in a Rotoviz draft like this. And we were kind of hoping that Jerry Judy would come back around to us at the 502. He does go at the 412 to this team. Cooper Cup, someone that I've mentioned a number of times that the comps in his range of outcomes and the range of outcomes tool, which has all the historical matches, so many of them, not surprisingly, are all of those peak epic seasons from Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, one of the rare players who actually paid off multiple seasons when he was drafted up there at the very top at the 101, or in a couple of cases in that top three, the running backs have more or less consistently failed to do so and so even in a draft where you have jonathan taylor you have christian mccaffrey you can understand why a manager would want to start with cup there and in part because he knows he's going to get some crazy value so ezekiel elliott at the 612 josh jacobs at the 812 both of those guys actually fit into an article that i just wrote for the site where i was using the range of outcomes tool to look for discount options instead of selecting Ezekiel Elliott, one of the takeaways there was that it's a little bit tricky to find that type of player where the discount option doesn't actually have more red flags that would put them further down your list than what Elliott has for his draft slot. Elliott in a situation where, you know, if he could stay healthy and they actually do ride him, you could be looking at this team. And uh, if, if the draft route of one who again has, has gone with the name Sean's Twitter for this draft. If they end up winning the whole tournament, there are going to be some questions out there about getting Ezekiel Elliott in round six. I'm sure there's some other drafters who won't like that. However, you look at some of the rest, Ronald Jones, Isaiah Spiller, Darren, Daryl Henderson. Again, this is a perfectly executed zero RB team. The issue that comes up and that we do see sometimes with this is that once you're looking at the QB window, it's hard to work those QBs in because the really heavy wide receiver start then creates an overlap between the quarterbacks and the zero RB options. So when you have a chance at Josh Jacobs, maybe in the eight twelve, maybe you take that. We mentioned some of the reasons why we're still skeptical there, but when you have Ronald Jones in the 10, 12, it's going to be hard to select him, select someone else instead of him. Then especially you come back around with Noah Fant. The other element there was just that by the end of round 10, the QB window had already dried up. The QB window closed with Justin Fields at QB 16. And so from that perspective, already locked out by making that pick at the 812. In order to hit the QB window, you would, in sort of reverse drafting it, have to know all the way back at that spot that you were going to need to take a couple of guys. The interesting selection there really is DeAndre Hopkins because the team ends up not being as strong at wide receiver as you might think with only the four early guys. And then Hopkins misses these first six games. The next receivers drafted Anderson and Hamler. I'm hoping it's not the case. I think that the receivers drafted in 19 and 20 probably end up not being contributors, but then Anderson, does he fit in well enough with those top four to where you have enough coverage of the flex position? I've been going back and forth personally on DeAndre Hopkins and how you want to play him. I was thinking that if he had come back to us where we took Joe Burrow, it would have been an interesting choice to make. 
because I liked where we were with our first four wide receivers and felt maybe we could withstand that. And then you have this playoff hammer. The problem for just the vast majority of teams who end up taking Hopkins is you're going to have to get very lucky to actually overcome his absence in the first six weeks of the season. There's just not a great way to build around and actually have it work. Yeah, I think what you really need to do there is like, for example, Team 12, like we could have potentially done it but even if you look at like having taken jk dobbins he would have been our wide receiver five team 12 he would be their wide receiver six at that point because of you know just having lamar jackson and all wide receivers it's hard to build that and i think he could be a real hammer in the playoffs but the the tricky part there also is you know his age maybe he goes over that age cliff and and we don't see what we thought we would see off him if he played all season long if he if he's only playing half that season but yeah interesting team sean like you touched on there may just be lacking a little bit of the wide receiver depth but you would really like to see when you're building out this roster and there's a couple of teams that i've pointed out the quarterback situation if he doesn't take deandre hopkins and he takes joe burrow that's bad news for us because we picked joe burrow with the very next pick but then that leads him into a situation where He's not probably taking Mayfield and Wentz then in the 17th and 18th round. He's going with a two-quarterback build, and maybe things look a little bit different. But overall, Sean, a lot of fun in this draft. Love drafting it with the listeners. It's interesting, too. We've drafted along with some of these guys now between last year and this year, you know, three, four, five times. And we're starting even almost to get to know their tendencies as much as they're starting to, to know what we're trying to do. So it just makes it a real challenge and a lot of fun. Even so, this past week, we've been in a slow draft where I'm drafting and you're drafting in two separate slots. I'm at the 102, you're at the 111, and there's other Rotoviz guys in there as well. And again, challenging, having to think ahead. Sometimes I'm thinking, like, I'm drafting at the 102, and I'm thinking, if I don't draft this guy here, he's not getting back to me because Sean's definitely drafting him and his two picks. So a lot of fun thinking it out, thinking through the thought processes. But you touched on it again. Something that we do talk about a lot, drafting from back to front to kind of know if you take that player in that range what your options are going to be then in the other spots and can you build out that roster fully but Colin, i don't want to finish well we, we can't break down every roster in detail but i i do want to mention the team drafting out of five i thought was very interesting because this is almost an upside down team but an upside down team that gets i think just incredible players in the first seven rounds and then rounds that out with some good structural drafting after that Search Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, two of my very favorites. They could be the top two receivers in football uh, at the end of the year. Then George Kittle, we've discussed why that can be problematic. And at the same time, it's George Kittle, right? And you have that elite tight end. Then in round four, you get Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb doesn't fit what we're looking for uh, from our running backs. But you go and you load up the advanced stat tool and you see what anybody who's watched him play we'll see which is that nobody compares to nick chubb in terms of what he's doing out there yards before contact yards after contact breaking tackles evading tackles overall evasion rate it's easy to say that these you know rushing efficiency numbers don't matter but it's also something where i think that can be overstated you look in and the superstars stand out. I mean, there's a reason that Jamal Charles was frequently up there around six yards per carry because you flat out could not stop him. And Nick Chubb offers the talent that if certain things break his way, when you're getting him in the mid late fourth round, it's just a home run pick. The same thing can be said for James Conner. We talked about how he's not someone that maybe RV drafters are targeting at his ADP. But once he falls around five, I mean, this is a guy who could have 
18 EP per game. Then you've got the two QBs in the window with Kyler Murray and Trey Lance, both of them rushing QBs. The QB upside is immense and then comes back through with three wide receivers. And uh, in contrast to a couple other teams that we went through, even this is round eight, round nine, round 10 in a very wide receiver heavy draft. You're talking about Chase Claypool, extreme upside, Robert Woods, potentially vastly undervalued, right? You look at him. One of the things that we talked about as the draft was going along, you said that you thought Tyler Lockett had fallen below where he should be at this point. He was the wide receiver 52. Robert Woods, actually the wide receiver 53 and Woods right now until Traylon Burks gets his act together is the wide receiver one there. I don't think there's a huge gap talent wise between Lockett and Woods. Woods is going to have the better quarterback. He's going to have less competition for targets. Both DK Metcalf and Noah Fant factoring in more than really anybody else there with the Titans. Other than Burks factors in, at least to this point, the Titans still a team that could add somebody else, especially if Burks continues to struggle. And then Christian Watson in round 10. I mean, you and I have discussed, and you're a huge Packers fan, there's downside there, and yet the upside is immense. So the players here all fit a unified vision of a team. And then coming back with Mike Kosicki in round 11, so you don't get wiped out there, you get the two elite tight ends i really like what john has done in this draft that he knew was going to be different and take advantage of so many different opportunities as those things came up yeah and as you mentioned we can't go into them all we would you know be <laughs> a three-hour podcast would be longer than the the draft itself but we love giving some feedback to the the drafters we love drafting with the the listeners and, and you know getting that interaction the community has been fantastic for all of his overtime i have to say over the last like you know 12 months specifically but over the last two to three months it has been amazing to get all the interaction with you guys as you reach out with questions draft with us so much fun so thank you all for that if you are drafting over at the ffpc you can check out all their leagues at myffpc.com they have dynasty best ball so many great options over there in terms of the you know different leagues they have so go over and check it out myffpc.com this was the 125 dollar best ball tournament the winner of this tournament will get a share well they'll get the full thing but if it's me and sean we'll get a share of two hundred thousand dollars so hopefully that's what we're celebrating at the end of the season we came second in this tournament last year with blair andrews hoping to go one better in 2022 if you want to sign up for Rotoviz NFL Pass and get access to all of our content and tools over at rotoviz.com, use the promo code RVRADIO2022 to get yourself a 10% discount, get you access to all of our content and tools. And again, that code is RVRADIO2022. My name is Colin Kelly. My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. We'll be back with lots more Rotoviz Overtime content over the coming weeks and months. Make sure you're subscribed to the Rotoviz Overtime podcast feed to get those once they drop. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.